on America Can We Talk. I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. Coming up next, America Can We Talk with your host, Debbie Georgianos. And hello and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Love our Thursday shows. I tell you that every week. We always have a wonderful guest in studio today. We're very honored and just excited to have Texas State Agricultural Commissioner Sid Miller. Before we introduce him in more detail, I want to take two minutes to talk about the Colorado Supreme Court decision that will essentially block President Trump from being on the ballot, the primary ballot uh, in fall of 2024, unless the U.S. Supreme Court overrules it. And the reason I want to talk about that is it's really important right now to recognize how consequential this is and, in my view, what a setup it was. Because the Colorado Supreme Court's essential decision was that the president, President Trump, uh, was ineligible to be on the ballot because of the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution. And my lawyer background required me to actually get the language of the Constitution uh, of this provision, the 14th Amendment. Um, and I'll read just in quick summary, I'll skip over the irrelevant parts, but no person shall be a senator or representative or elector or president, vice president, uh, goes on to say, um, who has engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the government. Someone who has sworn an oath, which of course the president did. So the grounds of the Supreme Court, of the Colorado Supreme Court, deciding that President Trump cannot be on the Colorado ballot this fall is that he committed insurrection with respect to the incidents on January 6, 2021. The reason I want to point this out to you is this is a horrific precedent for a variety of reasons. One is there has been no prosecution of any person related to January 6 for the charge of insurrection. Every person who's been charged, many of whom I believe wrongly charged, or they have overcharged and they have pushed the cases to get a maximum penalty uh, or to uh, find, urge a jury to convict them on things that make no sense in any rational view of the law. But this notion that you can remove who is obviously the people's choice on the conservative side, the other Republican side, President Trump, you know, way ahead in every primary that matters in this country, every primary polling, he's ahead. And the Colorado Supreme Court is going to say because of January 6th, uh, he's ineligible. Now, he didn't win Colorado anyway. You could say, well, it doesn't matter. But it really does matter because, number one, there has been no arrest for insurrection of any person, especially President Trump has not been charged with insurrection especially in law, words have meaning. You can't just fling words out there that sound alarming, that will alarm people. They actually, it matters what the words mean. And in insurrection, essentially, I was pulling the language up on my phone today, a violent uprising, organized resistance against a government. 
or its regulations. And that's not what occurred on January 6th. On January 6th, yes, people were extremely upset what, about what seemed to many people an obvious theft of an election, very upset about that, wanted the Congress to take the step many people believe was available to them to send the election back to their states, especially states who are questioning the electors, uh, questioning the fairness of the process. But that is not, does not amount to an insurrection, not even close. And the fact is, I think what happened back on January 6th, in fact, I searched, I bet an hour today at home getting ready for the show, trying to find a clip I'd once seen was a montage of the number of people very early on after January 6, 2021, protests in Washington happened. There was a montage put together of a variety of left-wing media people, people in government, left-wing pundits, all using the word insurrection, insurrection. And even at the time, people were saying, what are you even talking about? You know, there was a protest, and especially in light of what America tolerated from the Black Lives Matter and Antifa movements all of 2020, actually burning down police stations, burning cars, killing people, the few hours in Washington on January 6th being treated as though that was the insurrection was outrageous. And what I want to posit, and we'll talk about this more when I can dive more, or more into this story, probably next Thursday, or even the week after. It's probably the 1st uh, of January before I have time on the show to really dive into the uh, legalistic arguments I want to make. It's really profound and important to recognize, I think, the use of the term insurrection began shortly after January 6, 2021, to set up what happened in the Colorado Supreme Court this week. This was by people who want more than anything else to keep President Trump out of the White House. The use of the term insurrection was planted in the hearts and minds of people who actually would do anything to keep him out of the White House and in the hearts and minds of millions of ignorant people who don't realize what insurrection really means. The term was laid into our, our media, our country for two and a half years to get us to this point that the Colorado Supreme Court, who itself left wing, let's just be obvious, left wing uh, government, left wing court in, in Colorado to rule this president was, is not eligible to run. At this time in American history, given the grotesque threats to America, the future of our First Amendment rights, the future of border security and therefore our sovereignty, the future on hundreds of important issues, to have the, the individual that the vast majority of Republicans want to be their nominee ruled ineligible is itself a form of insurrection. I'll come back to this more in a couple of weeks, but that is such a big story. I just couldn't let it go. Um, I have a lot more to say about it, but this isn't why I invited our guest here today. So I will turn to our guest today, who is just, um, this is a gentleman, a commissioner mentioned, he's a commissioner in Texas, an agricultural commissioner. Um, his name is Sid Miller, and um, he's widely known, not just because he always has on a white cowboy hat, although he is known for that. He's also known, he, <laughs> but he's also known as just a real, people's guy. I mean, he's a guy when he runs, he travels around Texas, he speaks up for the agricultural community in Texas, which is massive. The cattle ranchers, the farmers, uh, the, the people who grow the food for the nation, who grow the cattle, the beef for the nation. Uh, he's their advocate and their supporter. He's also been active in the Texas legislature. In fact, he has a history in the Texas legislature. He was first elected to the Texas State House in the year 2000 uh, and served there, became very quickly known as a strong, serious supporter of the Constitution, uh, U.S. and Texas, um, and a strong support of this individual liberty, which, uh, as you know, if you listen to my show very often, 
that's all I ever talk about is preserving America. The purpose of this show is to preserve America, unique and extraordinary greatness, and it's unique and extraordinary greatness. And Sid Miller is one of the people in Texas who does that every day. So welcome to the show, Commissioner Sid Miller. Thank you. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you for being here on this really, really rainy day. <laughs> well, you know, in, in ag culture, we say we, we never turn down a soft, gentle rain or a newborn calf. So it's welcome. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. And it's actually, it's not a horrific, you know, thunderstorm, but it's pouring rain. So I also want to thank my audience members who still came to the show. Honestly, on Thursdays, sometimes, uh, you know, anyway, I'm grateful for people who came in today in, in this rain. It took us a really long time to get here from home. So I'm going to start with, this is not at the heart of what I want to talk about, but I want to actually turn first to, there was a film made uh, by, a, a documentary film made by Michael Quinn Sullivan called The Texas Heist. Yes. And I had him on the show a couple months ago. And honestly, okay, don't tell anybody, I didn't grow up in Texas. I didn't actually know that you had been the Texas legislature. But anyway, in the Texas heist, he tells a story about how we have a house in Texas that is the majority of Texans vote for Republican majority, and yet Democrat agenda runs a Texas house because of the manner in which we choose our speaker. So we have the Texas heist, and you were in that film. And I was thinking, yes. yeah, and that... You were there before the Democrats kind of took control of the House, right? You were there with Republicans or actually Republicans. I was actually in the minority when I first came into the Texas House. We had a Democrat speaker. So that's been a while. You know, yeah. like you said, I first took office in 2001, was a state lawmaker for six sessions. Uh, so I got to see the transition from Democrat leadership to conservative leadership. When I first went in the House, the Texas House was a conservative body and all the bills died in the Senate because they were the liberal body. So now it's all flip-flopped. Yes. And now uh, we can't get anything of our, our agenda done, our party platform, our conservative ideals, our you know, freedom-loving liberty bills all go to the House and die. So, and the reason that is, is the Democrats still run the House. They may not physically hold the speakership, but with 65 Democrats and, and 10 liberal Republicans, they elect the speaker. So. There is a way to fix that. It probably won't, won't happen because the legislature would never do this. But the reason the Senate is so uh, conservative is the people of Texas elect the lieutenant governor yes. by the whole state. The speaker is elected by the House of Representatives, the members there. So if we could change that and get the speaker of the House elected by the, by the people of the state, we could fix that problem. Short of that, uh, it's always going to be a problem, I'm afraid. Absolutely, and as you so you, I know when you entered, it was still Democrat majority, but there was a time period in there when the Republicans had the majority, and you chose the speaker because you had, correct, Speaker Craddock was the, he yes. was the House Speaker, and he was a conservative Republican. A absolutely, we we yeah. when we flipped it, we did that through redistricting, and we redrew the districts. I think at one time we had like a hundred and five of the hundred and fifty. Uh, state reps, so we could just roll them. We had a what's called a supermajority. We had a two-thirds majority, so anything we wanted to pass, we could just pass it. And that's why we passed so much conservative uh, legislation, sent it to the Senate, and they were almost evenly split. And the lieutenant governor was at that time elected by the senators because uh, Rick Perry had to step down and become governor. And at that case, the people don't elect the the uh, lieutenant governor, the 
sitting senators elect the lieutenant governor, so we had a liberal-minded Republican uh, lieutenant governor. So everything died. But now it's come full circle, and it's just the opposite. Well, I'll tell you, having uh, grown up in New York and practiced law in California, when I first came to Texas and was real, I mean, it was just, we just, my husband and I said, we moved here, I feel like I came home. We just love, even though, <laughs> even though he grew up in California, we just like, wow, th these are our people here. We loved the whole spirit of Texas. And I was so amazed to watch how the Republicans who had the majority would let it slip away or let the Republican priorities slip away by having a, a Speaker of the House who is essentially implementing, at least blocking serious Republican issues, conservative issues, and essentially helping the Democrats. I, I, was, I was really surprised by that capitulation. Uh, so you mentioned one way we could fix it was trying to get the uh, House Speaker, the way in which that person's chosen change. But the other thing is to elect people, uh, Republican members of the House, who will not go along with this heist, to use a great term. I think it was a great term that he it came is. up with. It is. Yeah, that won't go along with that. And you've been active this session, I've noticed, in, in, in supporting some of the primary challengers to get people into the House who are more likely to support uh, letting the Republicans actually choose the Speaker. You know, previously, I've, I've you know, kind of did the Ronald Reagan thing. I never talked evil about a, a fellow Republican. I always kind of stayed in my lane and sure. took care of my own business, never stuck my nose in anybody else's business. But this, I'm getting so frustrated and, and we, we elect Republicans, we send them to Austin and they vote like Democrats. Uh, so I'm, I'm fed up with it. You know, I announced a while back that I'm going rhino hunting. I'm, I'm getting involved in these <laughs> lists. I'm not on the ballot. So, so it's, you know, uh, I, it frees me up to campaign for other people. Uh, so far, I've, I've endorsed uh, 15 uh, challengers to some of these uh, rhino Republicans, and we're going after them. And a lot of them are, are going down because it's not only me, it, it's our Attorney General Ken Paxton. He's, he's miffed because of the uh, impeachment hoax that they try, tried yep. to pull on him. Uh, others, uh, Donald Trump is upset over uh, taking the uh, election uh, law away from our Attorney General. He's upset over the impeachment that they tried to do to Ken Paxton, exactly what they were trying to do to him. Yep. So I think he's going to be involved. I'm going to be involved. My campaign treasurer, uh, Ted Nugent, he's involved. So between the four of us, we've got a pretty powerful block. And we're, we're going to make, we're going to, there's going to be some, uh, we're going to throw some of these rhinos out of office. Yeah. You know, on the, first of all, Ted Nugent, as your which is he he's doing? my campaign treasurer. Okay, that's pretty and fun. campaign and campaign chairman. He has yeah, double yeah. duty. <laughs> that is pretty fun. I did not know that. That's pretty. That's really wonderful. Uh, he's a, such a. He's just actually he makes very conservative points and he's entertaining. I mean, you just want to listen to him because he's just well, he's a, very very articulate. I mean, yeah. I just love to hear him argue with the you know with a liberal because he just destroys them every time. Yep, you gotta <laughs> love it. Okay, so turning to your job, I want to be sure before we wrap up or before we finish our interview that we talk about your rodeo cowboy status because that's pretty amazing. Um, but but let's get serious first. Okay. Uh, first, I want to talk about your job as a Texas Agricultural Commissioner. You know, there is a, uh, a perception people have of Texas that, you know, we have ranchers and we have farmers who love to, you know, it's their, yeah. they are the, 
breadbasket of America. I mean, I think some other state claims that title, but breadbasket, they are the ranchers, they produce meat, and so this is, and, and they produce just, just a lifestyle of Texas. It actually gives rise to the rodeo world because oh, of the rural ranching life. And so that is among the biggest parts of your job is just to kind of protect the interests of the ranchers and farmers, correct? Well, that's, that's one part of it. it. Actually, it's a large agency. I oversee a $6 billion budget. Okay. Which my budget is larger than the budget of 31 governors. So we wow. cover a lot of ground. We do everything agriculture. We, we do the cows, sows, and plows, and all of that that you think we do. Uh, but we're also the consumer protection agency for the state. We're yeah. the chamber of commerce for the state. We, we market Texas globally. Uh, I'm over uh, rural health care for 191 counties. Uh, my biggest job is uh, I'm responsible for feeding five million school meals each day to our children across the state. So food nutrition, consumer protection, uh, health care, uh, border security, we, we do that. Uh, not what first pops into your mind, but we protect our state from invasive species, plants, diseases, insects. We pull trucks over. We inspect those at, on the Mexican border, but also on the state border. I have 130 statutory functions that we perform for the state. So it's my agency affects the average uh, Texan more times in one day than any other state agency. You just don't know it. We regulate all the barcode scanners in the state and make sure they're accurate. Oh. No one knows that. All the scales in the state. Uh, we actually certify ping pong balls. Uh, for Apparently the someone has to do it, yeah. <laughs> for the Texas lottery. You know, there's millions and millions of oh, dollars riding okay. on those ping Somebody has to make sure that that... That game's not rigged. That's me. <laughs> okay. So you're saying a $6 billion budget. $6 billion. And um, what is the, how many employees of, the, of your agency, of the Agricultural Commission? Well, it's kind of interesting. I have to put that in perspective for you to, to get it's the Texas way. So California has more agriculture than us. And the only reason is they have an $80 billion wine industry. Yeah. Our, ours yeah. is only $20 billion. Uh, and they have about 2,500 employees in their ag department, but they don't do food nutrition. That's my by far biggest department. Third largest is, is Florida, and they do food nutrition like we do. And they have a little over 4,500 employees in their agriculture department. We do it better, more efficient, faster, more accurate in Texas, and I have less than 700 employees. I love that. That is so Texan. It is. It really is. I love that. Love that. Okay. Um, and the other, the other term people use a lot about Texas, even when we were, gonna, we were moving here, someone said, oh, you're going to love Texas, that can-do spirit. Yeah. I remember this woman said it, and she was, I always thought she was kind of a liberal. I was like, wow, you like that? And I mean, it's really, <laughs> it's, it's exactly right. And so, yeah, we're going to get in and do all these things. Love all that. So I want to talk, though, about uh, turning to the cattle ranchers and, and people like that. Uh, there is an effort in Washington, and I mentioned this to you before or as by text earlier that I want to um, talk about this. Um, there's a growing effort out of the federal government to control ranchers, farmers, and such in Texas uh, under the guise of or allegedly to uh, advance the concerns of climate change, about related to climate change. Um, and so, and part of what this, this article, I don't know if you had a chance to read it, I sent it to you kind of late, but the gist of it was this person is reporting how, and just in September 2022, so it's just over a year ago, year, a few months, plus a few months, um, the U.S. Department of Agriculture announced a 3.1 billion, B as in boy, billion, taxpayer 
dollars to implement massive climate change initiative and applying to farmers partnerships for climate smart commodities and they have all these great names and, and they sound like who wouldn't want to be smart so all they think oh it's just gonna make you smart so anyway but they have this partnership for climate smart smart commodities and the gist of it is they're making the argument that this article is making the argument that in Texas um, nation's largest universities associations and agricultural corporations uh, and ag media corporations took 40 million dollars accepted 40 million dollars uh, mega millions from them on the climate smart commodities projects what they've asked people to do essentially is download an app and report in from Texas to the federal government you know how you care for your cattle what what when do you do this how many do you have how many are you gonna do I mean it runs through uh, mountains and mountains of data they're collecting from farmers and ranchers who are being told oh you're just you're part of the cause you're doing a great job and of course this article is making the point once you turn in all this information in the government, yeah. they're going to use it against you. And I don't even know, have you, do you know, have you heard about this project they've gotten? This, they this is part of a much bigger problem, a much bigger agenda. Uh, the first week in office, President Biden announced his executive order to institute his 30 by 30 plan. Yeah. The 30 by 30 plan is to idle 30% of our land's production by the year 2030. That's only phase one. Phase two is to take 50% of our land out of production by the year 2050. And it's a global agenda. The European Parliament has already voted to do this, and they're implementing it. So they, they want to outlaw commercial fertilizer like, like nitrogen. We can't do that. Sri Lanka tried that, and, and their rice production went down 40%. The, the people revolted and threw, overthrew the government. Um, they, they want to, to just... Uh, you know, manipulate everything. They want to get rid of animal production. The Netherlands uh, put out an, an order for the for the uh, the farmers there to get rid of 50% of their livestock. Yep. Ireland just did the same thing. And what they want to do, and they do this on climate change to help the environment, but for you know methane gas for, from the farm animals to reduce that, they want to switch to insect protein. And it's we laugh at that, but it but it's real. Tyson yeah. Foods just invested $500 million in insect protein production. ADM, one of the largest agriculture companies globally, Archer Daniel Midland, yeah. invested $500 million in insect protein. So they're headed that way. I hope it's kind of like the, the fake meat that's kind of uh, fizzled out. I hope they lose their shirt on it uh, because I don't plan to eat crickets myself. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm with that. And you I'm, know, kind of, I'm kind of a ribeye guy. You know, I like yeah. beef. <laughs> Rare, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, uh, I'm really glad you mentioned those countries because I have been thinking about that. When these environmental extremists, climate alarmism policies play out in real life, real farmers discovered, well, you said in Sri Lanka, they did. They actually over, they surrounded the palace and just drove the government out. They, they just weren't going to take it anymore. And um, I was also reading in France, if you reading what's happening in France, oh, yeah. yeah, they're dumping um, manure, essentially, <laughs> yeah. in, in the major freeways, just, just saying yeah. you're going to- gov Government buildings, too. Yeah. Oh, I missed that part. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like on the door, in the front door? Yes, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. Good for them. <laughs> well, you know, it's, a, it's an amazing thing, this climate alarmism, or that's a term I use. But um, again, I want to make a quick pitch for our listeners. I do care a lot, obviously. Everyone wants clean air, clean water. Everyone wants it. No one thinks somehow we'll live without clean air and clean water. 
Climate alarmism is a very accurate term that you should understand and pass along to your children and grandchildren, everybody else. If you go back to two recent shows we did, uh, one, uh, I say recent, in last year, uh, at americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org, two shows, one we had Mark Morano, M-R-I-A-N-O, and he's with CO2 Coalition or something like that. Uh, we brought him in from, um, I forget where he's from. Anyway, we brought him to Texas to spend an hour explaining, talking to you about climate issues, as well as Jason Isaac, who's the Texas Public Policy Foundation. I'm telling you, these facts matter. We get so drawn in because we're manipulated by the media to accept there's an, emerger, an emergency on the climate and everything that they want to do to you has to be accepted or else you are selfish. So what these two experts explain, go back, search our website, find those dates. We don't have an emergency about CO2. CO2 is not hurting anybody. We can have much more CO2. And all that happens, green plants will grow more. And therefore, they will produce more of what humans need in terms of oxygen. There is no climate agenda. There's, excuse me, there's no climate emergency. There's no impending climate doom. It's utterly false. We can protect the environment and do a great job with you know, waste materials and clean air and clean water. We don't need any of the climate agenda because it's all driven by the argument that our, our air is somehow damaged by CO2 and too much CO2. And I always want to share this fact and I'll go right back to our interview. The percentage of the naturally occurring environment of this beautiful Earth, planet Earth, what percentage is made up of CO2? You want to know the answer? 0.04. Not wow. even half of 1% is actually CO2, and yet minute, I mean, minute amounts of increase, and we get hysterical, and we're all going to eat bugs the rest of our life yeah. to solve it. Anyway, I, I make that pitch because this climate alarmism, they push it down. Exactly. Yeah. I want to, I want to make a pitch to your listeners. If they want to dive deep into this 30 by 30 plan, 50, 50, go, to, go to a site called AmericanStewardsOfLiberty.org. AmericanStewardsOfLiberty.org. You can find all the information there. Farmers and ranchers, we're the best environmentalists ever, but we get attacked all the time. That's our issue. We should own it, but we just don't. We're kind of introverts. We stay out on the farm. We stay on the tractor. We don't, you know, get involved in, in the climate stuff because that's the, the far left. But I'll give you an example. And, and we need to tell this story, but we don't. But we're, we're great environmentalists. So through uh, genetic engineering and technology, we've gone from traditional farming which takes five gallons of diesel fuel per acre to, on an average crop. Through our technology and advancements, we have now gone to no-till and minimal-till farming. Now it takes one gallon of diesel per acre. What other industry has reduced their fossil fuel use 80%? We've also cut commercial fertilizers by 40%. We've, we've cut our pesticide use by 50%. And I mean, what other industry can say that? And But we don't tell anybody what a great job we're doing. I mean, we're the best thing ever happened. Now then, through more technology, we're using drones for spray applications. And we can target individual plants. We don't have to just blanket spray the whole field. It's taking 10% of the pesticide now, where it was taking, you know, a lot more with traditional uh, broadcast. Uh, so, I mean, we're, we're good for the environment and we have to be because we have to continue to produce more with less uh, inputs. And so we're getting really good at that, but we just don't tell that story. 
That is true of conservatives on many, many issues. Conservatives is basic, average, you know, main, so main street, you know, mainstream apple pie Americans. We live our lives, we follow the law, we work hard, we, we improve things, we, we make life better. But we don't, we're doing it because it's the right thing, because it's how we live. And we don't really tout ourselves as the left always does. And they're always virtue signaling about how much they care about the environment. Yeah. That's why you have to eat bugs. Not them, but you have to eat bugs. And you have to, you know, stop driving your car while we jet around the world to these idiotic conferences. Anyway, I wanted to bring this up because I think that for farming one and ranching in Texas, and especially cattle ranchers, this is an assault coming the way of farmers and ranchers in Texas from the federal government. And so you're, I assume, well, from what you're saying, farmers are aware of what, how much the federal government would like to crack down on their productivity, correct? Well, they don't stay tuned in as, as much as they need to. If it affects them, they're tuned in. And I'll give you another example that's coming down the road that the farmers aren't paying attention to, but I'm getting the word out and they're starting to pay attention to is mRNA vaccines for our livestock. That's not my list of questions, but go okay. right ahead. Well, I, no, you go. I'll go get ahead. ahead of you. So, no, go okay. ahead. I love it. It's okay. a good topic. So uh, the big pharma is developing mRNA vaccines for livestock. So my question, cowboy logic, what do we need a vaccine for that we don't have a vaccine for? It's not like a COVID out. I've been vaccinating my livestock for COVID for 20 or 30 years. We've had a COVID vaccine. We've had one for black leg. We've had one for shipping fever. We've had one for rabies, for tetanus. I mean, you name it. We've got, and there's, there's two types. There's a kill virus, which we can give to, to pregnant cattle. And there's a modified live virus. We like to use that on everything else. It's a little more effective. And... No one can ask me, why do we need a different type of vaccine? What's wrong with the ones we've got? Well, they want, you know, some of the, re and I don't trust the research, just to be honest with you. Some of the research says, well, it's not transmittable to, to humans after you cook it. And I said, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, y'all told us a lot of stuff like that about the COVID vaccine that yeah. wasn't true. You know, it, yes. take the vaccine, you won't get COVID. Oh, well, you'll get it. Well, you may get it, but you can't. Transfer it to any, well, yeah, you can transfer it, you know, and so none of it was believable. Including you won't die, and then you, and people right. still did get the vaccine, people died get COVID, from the vaccine died. Than they did right. the sickness. Right. So we're watching that really close. Uh, we've actually been using it in pork for five years. I didn't even, I'm the Ag Commissioner, I didn't even know that. But most of our pork is controlled by China. The largest pork producer and the largest pork processor in the United States is a company called Smithfield Foods. Sounds like a great American company. Sure does. The, the problem is it's, it's owned by the communist Chinese. And we, we keep doing stupid stuff like that. We, that. we should never let that happen. Of course, we all, we've heard in the news how China's buying our farmland and, and uh, you know, that gives them access to our food supply, just like the pork, access to our grids when they put up wind farms or solar farms. They do it right next to military bases so they can espionage and spy on our, our military operations. We can't even get a bill passed in Texas to stop that. Yeah, I want to jump on that for a while because I did find that rather astonishing. We do have a Republican majority in the Texas, well, Republican governor and all the high officials, Republican majority, the Texas House and Senate. And when that word came out that the CCP or a person affiliated with the CCP bought a large ranch right next to a U.S. military facility here in the great state of Texas, that seemed like even a kind of moderate Republican would realize that that's not good. So the Senate passed a bill, the Texas state Senate yeah. passed a bill saying, you know, and I, they finally had to make it 
any foreign entity. They couldn't focus just on China, although China was what they were worried about. But then the bill apparently died in the House. Maybe you followed what happened. You would think even there's got to be a few patriotic Democrats out there that would support that, right? I mean, who who wants to let our our number one enemy, the communists, you know, take over our intellectual property rights and everything they do? So I worked with uh, Senator Lois Cole. I've been working on this five years to get this done. So finally, we got a good bill, Senator Lois Cole. She had to make a few adjustments to it, passed it to the House, went to the committee, never got a hearing. Never got a hearing yeah. because the Democrats didn't like it. And remember, we, or earlier in our discussion, we said that those 65 Democrats and the 10 uh, moderate Republicans run the House. So for the Speaker to get reelected, he can't make those 65 Democrats mad. So he said, keep that, do not let it out of committee. It never got a hearing. I mean, really? We can't stop the communist Chinese from buying our land, spying on our military bases, giving them access to our electric grid, giving them access to our food supply. I bet you there's not anybody in this room can go to China and buy any land. Exactly. I I don't even know that a a Chinaman can buy (laughs) land in China, actually. You know, it'd be pretty tough, you know, for for a citizen to buy it over there. So we just do some stupid things. We do stupid things. I think there is some rising awareness in America, though, about the threat the Chinese Communist Party poses to America. I know I'm on my show, I've had China experts and people who would just, you know, they'll explain to you what the Chinese government has said in their party meetings where they talk about they intend essentially to take America down and they're going to do it without firing a shot and they're going to invade our institutions. And they're, they're I mean, the, they lay out, they tell you what we're going to do. And in America, it seems like even though that was kind of a hidden agenda for many years, I think there are many people waking up to it and realizing, you know, the Chinese Communist Party does intend to become the world's single superpower. They do intend to destroy America's power and make us very much second-class citizen. So I get back to Texas, and it's just, I I mean, I don't even know what right to where it's astonishing that in our legislature we couldn't get that done. And I saw one of the arguments being made... Uh, I think it was a Democrat in the House, but making that that this bill was offensive to Asian Americans who live in in Texas. I mean, they they make the pull your heartstrings. This must be racial discrimination. This must, it was the craziest argument, but it seemed to carry weight with some people. Well, it it, it did. That that was a pretty weak argument, but we didn't do a good job of fighting back against it. You know, if you're if you're an American citizen, just buy whatever you want. You know, that that's it. The largest foreign-owned land in in the United States and Texas is Canada. I find it ironic that I can't go buy a cabin on a lake in Canada because they don't allow foreigners to own property in Canada. So, you know, a little cowboy logic would say, hey, if we can't buy your land, you can't buy our land. Let's just reciprocate. Let's treat each other equal. But we don't do that. We, We... it's, it's, it's very frustrating to, 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 see, to see this happen. Yeah. One more thing on the CCP, and then I want to turn to Bill Gates and his buying land, but because um, he may be the largest foreign landowner, Bill Gates. Okay, he's not really foreign, but, you know, he's kind of like that. <laughs> he's the largest domestic landowner. It is shocking. It is shocking. Yeah. Um, um, anyway, on the CCP thing, uh, buying farmland in Texas, during the Biden, early in the Biden administration, um, there was a, a spy balloon that went over all of America, and it was in the news, like people are seeing it and watching, and, put, and it's on the news, and you're waiting, wow, what are we going to do about that? 
it just kind of floated across the country, ended up finally allegedly being shot down over the Atlantic Ocean after it had been over all these spy bases in America. I mean, that's the kind of thing you think, you know, well, I often think who sides the Biden administration on, but that's another thing. It woke people up. You know, how would you let the what? world's, the biggest danger to America, which is China, why would you let them spy on us for the entire time that thing was up there? Well, and, and, and the argument people give, well, you know, it's a private property right. I should be able to sell my ranch or my property to whoever I want. You shouldn't be able to tell me who I can and who I can't. Well, okay, that's, I'm, I'm the probably biggest advocate of private property rights there is, is the Ag Commission. But let me just tell you, the last chapter in that book, if you lose, you have to, you have to put patriotism before profits. Because in the end... If we lose our country, you lose all of your rights, including personal property. So it's, it's where, where's your priorities? It should be with patriotism, protecting your country so you can have those private property rights. Amen. Plus, on top of that, all these other people in Texas whose job it is, your job is to protect their rights too. The other private property owners are harmed by the idiocy or sinister actions of someone who would sell their property to someone affiliated with the CCP declining or refusing them that right is protecting all the other property owners. So you, you are doing that. It's exactly what you should be doing. Okay, I, I love that. And also, this other story came up, um, which was there's a speech given uh, by Ambassador Burns. I do want to get to the border, by the way. Sense of what time? Okay, we're good on time. I sent some clips to Mr. Emilio. I assume he has them. Yeah, he does. Okay, about the border, which are, are mind-blowing. New, new pictures I've come in from the border. But there was a story out about the ambassador to China named Nick Burns. Nick Burns, the ambassador to China, he um, revealed the White House secretly established an agriculture working group with the Chinese Communist Party. And so he made this speech at a, um, a keynote address for the China-United States Exchange Foundation, annual Hong Kong Forum on U.S.-China Relations, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, this organization, Chinese state-sponsored propaganda effort, seeks to influence foreign governments and other actors that, actors that take actions or adopt positions supportive of Beijing's preferred policies. So you had our U.S. government, the Department of Agriculture, Buddying, that's a part of agriculture, yeah, buddying up with the White House established agricultural working group with the Chinese Communist Party. It seems like this, should, I mean, in a sane world, this would be front page news. This well, you would know, be, I just read that, I believe last week, it just, it just came out. Yeah, So yes. it's, it's not very widely known yet. People like yourself, myself, we get the word out on that. What in the world are we doing collaborating with the Communist Chinese? Uh, on, on agriculture. I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, what, they're our enemy. Come on, people. I mean, <laughs> I know I, I, it's the most it's amazing. like it's like we're sending our enemy weapons and ammunition to shoot back at us. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I mean, I always which we have done before. Go ahead. The, we've, we, done. we've done we've done stupid things like that before. It's not a new new concept. Yeah, I, I just perhaps I am um, too optimistic, but I do think in this three plus years that Biden's been in office, I do think, I guess it's two, anyway, whatever, uh, that since he's been in office, more people are alert to how un-American the agenda is, at least of the Biden administration. I mean, not not every Democrat. There are plenty of Dem people who vote Democrat. I always use the example because their grandfather was in a union and the, now whatever, they have these reasons they vote Democrat. 
but watching the American people, watching the agenda that the Biden administration is inflicting on America, I think more people are very, very alarmed about, I mean, abandoning the border, uh, which all by itself should be grounds for impeachment, if you ask me, but just yeah. he should be out of this and that alone. I just think people are awake more than they were because of how radical the Biden administration is. And you think these, are, these issues like who gets to buy farmland would be easier to solve. But in any case, yeah, you think. frustrating. Yeah. So B Bill Gates, he owns more. He's the most largest domestic farmland owner in America. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I can't think of a thing. Uh, my legal head goes, I can't think of a reason. You can't single out a single person and say you can't buy property in Texas. I'm pretty sure it's unconstitutional. But is that, anything can be done about that? Or, or what are you, what are your thoughts? Well, something that, that I've been watching, I've had my team watching. Uh, we're, we kind of stay on top of that, what he's doing with the land. So far, there's nothing nefarious about it or illegal. Uh, he buys this property. He leases it back or rents it back to the farmers. It's still it's not taking it out of production. He's not okay. I didn't it's, know it's, that. It's okay. still being it's still producing a crop, corn, soybeans, wheat, cattle. Uh, the production is not dropping off, but he just seems to accumulate more and more. I, you know, I, I can't fault the man for wanting to own land. I mean. You know, everybody would like to own a, a ranch, right? But yeah. I mean, he's owning a lot of it. I mean, a scary amount of, yeah. uh, of, of area. But so far, uh, I can't accuse him of anything because I haven't found anything nefarious about it. I'm glad to know that. I think his role in urging the development of vaccines and seeming role in the development of the virus itself and that role playing thing he did before the virus came along. I, I can, uh, he kind of has a, uh, he starts with a presumption of guilt. In my view, well, something's up, it's not good. But, we, but, you know, the one thing is, even if you can't, there can't be legal uh, prohibition on his purchase of farmland, just spreading the word in Texas among people, if you own ranches and farms, you know, you, you probably have a lot of customers, you don't have to sell it to him. Right. Nothing legal, nothing Well, and, and the, way, the way he does it, you never know you're selling it to him. You're signing to Happy Farmers of America or some right. nice name. You yeah, know, some some somebody that's, you know, between him and you. And then you don't find that out till after, you know, the closing, probably months after. So, he's, yeah, he's pretty stealth about that because a lot of people do. Bill Gates. No, I'm not selling him anything, you know. Yeah. But so his name's not on the contract. It's it's one of his entities. So it's an information warfare thing then. We got we got to help people know the answers. Okay, I want to turn to beef. I know we talked about it a minute ago, um, but you know, um, I, on the subject of beef production in Texas, I mean, this is just land of the, it just makes people, they, they just are so proud of Texas. People are proud of Texas, of the ranchers, the, and the whole ranch lifestyle. It just is, it really makes people, I mean, even for someone who grew up in New York, I love that about Texas. I just think it's the most extraordinary uh, Americana thing, the ranches and farms and all that. Um, so part of what your job is, I assume, to spread the word around America and the world about the quality of Texas beef and cattle and it, such. It is. We have a, a marketing program. It's going to be 25 years old uh, this next year. It's called the Go Texan program. It's that little symbol right there. It's, that's our trademark. Okay. Texas with a circle around he, it. You can zoom in on it. Are you, drawing, are and, you trying uh, to zoom yeah, in they, on it? Yeah, they've got it. So when I became commissioner, we just marketed Texas and not really much even nationwide. And I found out real quick, and you just talked about it. Texans, we have something special. It's hard to describe it, but you know it when you see it. I mean, we've, 
you know, we, we are, have the family values. It's our Western mystique. It's, it's our cowboy lifestyle. It's, you know, it's our oil too. wells. It's our cattle. It's, you know, it's taming the wild west. We have that independent spirit. You know, we're the Lone Star yep. State. And when I would go abroad, I mean, if I wanted to close a deal, all basically I had to do is show up. Everybody wants to do business with a Texan. Yeah. You know, I show up in this big hat and belt buckle and boots and this, <laughs> this West Texas ac got, accent. Yeah. I mean, I got them. Just, that's it. Yeah. You know, people say, well, you know, Texas, Texans are braggadocious. Well, yeah, we are, but it's okay. all true. Yeah. And, you know, they, yeah. they say, well, you've got to, y'all have a certain swagger when you walk. I said, no, nah, that's just walk, normal walking for us, you know. <laughs> uh, so, but uh, uh, we do have something special. Not, you know, knocking other states, but uh, uh, I exploit that uh, on, in our, our relationships overseas. Why not? Okay. I want to turn one other thing. You mentioned in the beginning that you had uh, the role within the Texas Agriculture Department, uh, the role, a role with respect to the border um, mm -hmm. of Texas. And I sent to Mr. Emilio, um, you've seen videos like this, but, you know, we keep talking, and like I can't tell you how many experts I've had on Border Patrol people and talking about the danger of the border is totally unenforced. And I do think for many people outside of being a border state, you know, they're, they can't picture it or think it's that big a problem. So I sent a couple of videos. One is, yeah, one's, I think, um, the first one I sent you, this, this just came from the border uh, two or three days ago. Oh, boy. This is a Fox News reporter down there. Okay, and then there's another one. This was in Arizona, and this there's an Arizona person who's gotten all wired up now too. Do you have that one? We started it. Okay, we're gonna, okay. This guy. Now I got to tell you, um, this video he posted on I think it was on Twitter went on for like two minutes and he did the lengthy video to point out the line just walking, walking. I, I mean, I cut it short because it becomes boring. It's just the same piece people, but these are people just walking over the border. And, you know, it's one thing to say that, okay, you can come back if you would please, thank you. Uh, one thing to say, well, you know, we have a problem with the border. To my sense, the Biden administration, it is intentional abandonment of border security, and therefore it is an abandonment of American sovereignty. And so I don't understand, I don't know what more Texas could do to fight it. That we just passed a law saying you make it a crime. Actually, just go ahead. What should, tell me if you were in charge of the entire state, what can we do about the border? It's very easy to fix. I can fix it within a week. You just reinstitute the Trump era policies. He yeah. had it down to a trickle. I mean, it was the lowest it'd been in 20 years. Then you don't have to reinvent the wheel. We know how to do it. We just, you know, re-implement those policies and boom, it's done. So it's not out of hand. I mean, they're letting it out of hand, but it's, it's not that it's not fixable. It's very fixable. So remain all, in Mexico, remain in Mexico, one. Right? And, and remain in the first country, you, you know, you exile from. Right. You right. don't get to come, you don't get to leapfrog four or five countries and come to Texas, right? You you stay, you know, in the first country that you're fleeing from, and that's what that did more than just about anything on his policies. Yeah, and that was actually standard asylum law that these yes, really we just were... enforced standard asylum laws. Yeah, yeah, so, and it was understood. Yeah, I mean, everybody said, "What? How would you? How would you fix it? How would you fix it?" Well, 
How about let's just fix it the way we had it fixed two years ago. Let's just do that. Yeah. Well, the other is a continuation of border wall construction. I mean, that's sure. just that's the notion. Yeah, and you we know, were building it. I mean, we were, you know, had, had the material to put it up. Yeah. And I, I, I really was struck by, for anyone who still is thinking, well, you know, the Biden administration isn't against enforcing the border. And that, you know, when we had the Texas policy, uh, it, was, uh, it was in the river down there. They had submerged, um, it was netting that went to the bottom and, they, and the orange, I forget what they're called, like, like barrels. The buoys. Kind of, yeah. Buoys, yeah. yeah. Um, and basically the people couldn't get past them. The people trying to walk through the river, that was brilliant to me maybe you don't agree it was brilliant oh. but what the the fd uh, epa came out and said that it was hurting some endangered fish in the river that was one well, argument i mean the, the entire administration is is in cahoots on this we're not going to have a border well the idea of the buoys concept is okay but, but here's the fallacy of it okay, okay. so i'm going to disagree with you and we don't that's disagree okay. much that's all right so those buoys we have in Texas, we have 1,200 miles of river, 1,200 miles of river. Yep. Those buoys covered 1,000 feet. Okay. 1,000 feet of 1,200 miles. It was more of a photo op for the governor than anything else. Oh, You okay. just float down your raft and go around them, you know, 1,000 feet down and cross. I mean, it, it okay. really, it really... It was, a, it, was, it was a stunt. It, it was a stunt. Okay. That's all it was. I thought the area they put them in was where the people were mostly crossing. It was shallow. Of course. Yeah. Well, it was shallow. Sure. So, the I most mean, optimum spot is where you want to put that thousand foot of buoys. Yeah. So well, you I can have, get the best, you know, uh, photo ops. Yeah. I've been very concerned about whether Governor Abbott is doing everything he can to about the border because my sense is he's not. I mean, and I'd love to know your thought. I mean, that sounds like. Well, you know, I'll, I'll tell. I'll, I'll, you know. You said the show, I'm kind of honest and, and, you know, don't pull any punches. So I haven't added it up. I need to add it up. But Abbott has had 10 years to close the border or slow the stem. We've, every session they give him, they gave him, what, $3 billion, and they gave him $9 billion, And then he spends every bit of it and comes back and asks for more. After 10 years, it's the worst it's ever been. We've made zero headway. Matter of fact, we've gone backwards. It's worse now than it's ever been. And he has the power to do something, but it's just not getting done. Yeah, um, I'm a thousand percent with you. We can agree and disagree other things, but actually I agree with you on that. I just, I think the capacity, when you know it's a, it's a top priority, certainly in the Republican Party, and probably even for most Texans, we can't have our border open. We can't have, it is not just, you know, poor mother, single mothers with small children who just want a better life and find a job in America. It is fentanyl crossing the border. Absolutely. It is sex traffickers, drug traffickers. It is, and, and I had a uh, national security guy on my show recently saying they verified at least 10,000 single military aged Chinese men affiliated directly with the Chinese Communist Party have entered just the Texas border. These are people yeah. who are, are sworn enemies and we, they don't have the agenda of coming here to find a new life and live under freedom and, and capitalism. They are, a, they are an explosive force ready to attack America. And yeah, and so you do, I, I felt extremely troubled about Governor Abbott's, it's a lot of words, it's a lot of talk. And, and you know, I really mean it this time, but, you know, yeah. if you mean it, you would do it. Right. And it's just not getting there. And, and I actually know something about that, not just being your ag commissioner, but I've chaired multiple uh, committees in the House. The last committee I, I 
chaired was Homeland Security and Public Safety. So this was under Governor Rick Perry, and we, he gave us the charge of closing down the border. And we had a good plan. It worked good. We stopped the illegal immigration, cut it by 60%. We cut illegal drugs and, and, uh, uh, down by 60%, and we were well on our way to, to doing more. Uh, Obama kind of hamstrung us. Sure. He said, man, y'all doing a good job there in Texas. Y'all doing such a good job. Y'all don't need all these border patrol. We're going to transfer them to Arizona and California. So he, you know, he took border patrol. Yeah, typ typical liberal administration. But we, but we had it going on way, way before you know Biden. We, we were we were controlling that border as a state. So I know it can be done as a state. So why do you think Governor Abbott doesn't want to do it? He's uh, Governor Abbott. You know, he, he's good-hearted. He, he's somewhat risk adverse. He doesn't like criticism. He doesn't want to be criticized by the left. He tries to make everybody happy, and you just can't do that and do the job. I mean, I, I make people mad all the time, but <laughs> when, I go, when I go home, if I get beat in the next election, I'll say, well, I was doing what I thought was right, and I have no regrets. And you need to look at it like that. I, I tell people, you know, my office is usually a, a stepping stone to a higher office. You know, they're just there. They're not really the ag commissioner. Yeah. They're really a, a candidate for lieutenant governor or governor or something. I tell you, know, I'm the ag commissioner today. I'm going to be your ag commissioner next week. Next year, I'm still going to be your ag commissioner. That's my number one job. And if you, you know, you reelect me, I'll do it for another four years. I just got reelected, man. I'm in my th third term uh, yeah. in this office, and I take this job seriously. And the first one, that, and I know the previous ag, they're all friends of mine. That's, there's nothing wrong with the way they did it. I just think... Texas deserves the best representation they can get. And, and if you have to ruffle some feathers, you just ruffle them and go on. Could not agree more. Could not agree more, especially in this era and how dangerous the left is to this country and the importance of Texas and holding on to America, holding on to winning elections, holding on to not losing the country to the left. Texas needs to be Texas strong on every issue. I will say we, we have a short segment at the end. We allow audience members to ask questions if they'd like. Um, so while you're thinking of your question, if you'd like to have one, I want to make one more thing, say one more quick thing. Um, actually, a tiny little point and then the rodeo question and then. Okay. So uh, my <laughs> tiny little point is, especially if what you're saying is the uh, strand of buoys in the river at the border was just a stunt, was just to look, give a photo op. Yeah. That really tells you the Biden administration doesn't want any, I mean, I know it was a stunt by the Abbott administration, but the Biden administration getting hysterical about it, you know, kicking the EPA into gear and saying, you can't have that big, they really, I mean, they don't want an iota of positive coverage about the border being secure. And I just, I truly for the life of me can understand how one American who wants American sovereignty could vote for a Democrat, uh, for a Democrat administration next time. I mean, I, I think we have massive election fraud problems. I don't think Biden won in 2020. You don't have to agree, but I, well, I, I agree. Oh, he did not want 2020. And I'm going to tell you, if he manages to hang in, in the, as the president, as the candidate on the left, which I don't think they'll let him if they do, and they say, oh, no, this time he won by 90 million votes, I'm not sure the American people will put up with it because we can see the destruction he's doing to this country. Okay, very quickly, you are a rodeo guy, which is kind of amazing. You breed and train quarter horses. So, uh, so I mean, given this, my upbringing here, I don't know rodeo, except I think it's fun. I think it's fun to go. But what, <laughs> tell us a little bit about your rodeo life. You have 12 world championship titles. That's amazing. Well, that's not exactly true. 
Oh, real? Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. It was in some summary of you somewhere. Yeah. I'm, I'm up to 25. <laughs> <laughs> Good for so, you. So what I do, and I, I don't want to confuse people, so I have my own stallions, my own broodmares. I raise and, 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 you know, raise the colts. I break them. I train them. I show them myself, and I've had 25 world cha world champions come off of my ranch that uh, I bred and trained and, and, and were raised right on my place. And that's kind of, and I've done it in three different breed associations, the Quarter Horse, the American Paint Horse, and the Appaloosa Association. So uh, I'm kind of unique in that. No one else kind of does that, but I, I'm one of these guys, I just get consumed with something. I can't ever take up golf because I could never master it. You know, I have to... You know, I took up fly fishing one time and I had to, you know, learn to cast, of course. And then I had, oh, well, I need to learn to tie my own flies. Well, if I'm going to do that, I have to learn the entomology of the river and what the fish eat. And, you know, and now, oh, I need to tie my own bamboo rod. So, I mean, finally I got to where there was nothing left to conquer and I'm done with it, you know. So I have to be careful with what task I, so the horses have kind of consume me. That's my one That's one wonderful. hobby that gets me away and, and I can relax and it's so I, I really enjoy the genetics, the training yeah. and the physical aspect. I still have, you know, it's, I'm, I'm going down the arena 35 miles an hour, jump off a perfectly good horse, run down the rope, pick a 250 pound calf up and tie three legs. I mean, so it's still keeps me physically moving to be I able to do guess that. I so. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty dang cool. Okay, so I didn't mean to go so long. If you have any questions, now's your time. Uh, got the microphone right there. Okay. Back on food, used to be called GMO, gen genetically modified, now bioengineered. Anything Texas can do, I mean, it's in everything national, snacks and everything. If you look... You don't want to eat that stuff. Anything Texas can do to keep it in out of our. Well, there's a lot of misinformation out there, and I mean, I'll just kind of give you some some facts to kind of maybe put your mind at ease. There's very few uh, food items that are GMO. Uh, not everything. Matter of fact, most everything is not GMO. Uh, there's there's no meat. Okay, none. Uh, it's only corn, soybeans cotton that's it that's so anything other than that you don't have to worry about but if you look at any box like these snacks out here if you really read bioengineered almost everything Publix in, in Florida so okay so bioengineered is not the same thing as genetically modified and so the difference is uh, cattle are bioengineered some of them and I'll give you an example now the the genetically modified is when you take a trait from a completely different plant and you transfer that into the corn plant and you, you it's a totally different plant now because it's got genetics in it that it never had bioengineered let's say i'm a hereford cattle breeder that's a long-haired breed made for cool cold climates and i want to sell my herefords down on the equator central america or somewhere well they got to have short hair in, in thicker hide. So through genetic engineering, I can take traits that are already in that animal and I can speed them up instead of having to go every nine months, have a calf and breed that one, to, you know, two years, breed that one. It takes forever. So genetically engineered, I can manipulate that gene that's already there and I can, in a much shorter period of time, come up with a slick haired Hereford that I can sell in Central America. 
Does that I mean, kind the of... The government is doing it for the good, <laughs> like you're talking in right. this case. They're doing it because of Bill Gates not wanting us to eat meat, actually, and they're trying to engineer all of these products we eat and hurt us. Can you give me the microphone? Or, sorry. That's what I think. <laughs> yeah. Okay, thank, but actually, thank you. one more question? Or quickly, really quickly, sorry. Okay, just want to thank you for your rhino hunting and, and, here, <laughs> and for the wonderful endorsements in here in Dallas. We're thrilled about 108 with Barry Wernick running against yes, one of the biggest rhinos. Him. Thank yeah. you so much That's for that. That's And yeah. also, um, uh, I've read that... Uh, Texas A&M is in partnership with Qatar in, in developing nuclear um, power or atomic bombs. I'm, I'm not aware of that. I'm, I'm not saying it's not true, but I haven't, I don't deal with the atomic bombs very much. <laughs> it's one thing not in your- At least research on them. I've dropped a few, probably some people would say, but. Thank you. We, that's, you know, we, just, we need to stay on top of that, things like that. We've, uh, we do work very closely with uh, Texas A&M University, Texas Tech, our land-grant universities. Which my alma mater is Tarleton State University, and we have a lot of research projects. But it all, it all deals with agriculture topics. And I said earlier, we have to, we have to continue to produce more with less. Uh, and so that's, that's what we work on. Well, a bunch of topics we didn't get to. I see we're out of time. I, I had some on the show recently talking about alleged impending food shortages and vertical farming and all that kind of thing, too. So maybe we have another time. We can come back and hit other we, topics. Yeah, we've got a lot of ground we didn't plow. <laughs> we did. We most certainly did. But first of all, thank you for coming in. Thank I know you. it's a rainy, kind of ratty day in Texas. So thank you for coming up. And I just appreciate you so much for joining glad, me. Glad thank to be you here. For thank you. Thank and you for coming. Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas and Merry Christmas to all of you. Um, I do want to, first of all, thank you for tuning in to America Can We Talk. And part of what I want to talk to you about, our website is americacanwetalk.org. If you listen to this show on any other outlet, I urge you to go to our website, americacanwetalk.org. All our blog posts, interviews, past shows are all there to be seen. You can become a member of America Can We Talk. You can subscribe to our newsletter. And basically, you can learn more about what we do. I do this show, America Can We Talk, just to speak up for America. It's my entire purpose. I don't talk about football, fashion, foof, anything else. I just talk about saving America. That's my point. And, and saving Texas really is basically part of saving America. It is saving America. So that's why I do this show. I wish all of you a Merry Christmas. I hope you have a lovely little break. We're not doing a show on Tuesday next week. We'll be back on Thursday, our normal Thursday show. We have an author coming in, John Leake. He's actually been on the show one other time. He partnered with Dr. Peter McCullough. They talk a lot about the COVID vaccines. Uh, he has a new non-fiction book out, John Leake does. Uh, I'll just tell you, it's the most amazing story. And, uh, and he's just a good storyteller. Uh, you know, many, many books he's written that are very popular. So I mean, John Leake then, and the following week, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West will be joining us in the studio to talk about his uh, next political adventure. And with that, I want to thank you for tuning in to America Can We Talk. I do this show to speak truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Yeah. Thank you. Can you hear us now? America, can we talk truth about America? Can you hear